teaching uh, in Monterrey. He is somewhere else this morning. And so we want to, but I am going to be looking at the issue of healing and uh, dealing with healing in the third world. And uh, I, this is a subject that I, I feel like when um, we moved overseas, I had already been praying for the sick here in America. But as I moved overseas, I began to discover something and uh, uh, certain Bible truths became more, self, became more evident and became much more clear than when I was here. And so what I want to look at this morning, and, and I just want to cover a couple of things. The first one is the great discovery that I had made, which was going door to door and praying for the sick didn't happen because we were sitting down trying to strategically think about things. It's more of an accident that we came across, but it is one of the most effective outreaches that we have uh, in Sri Lanka. Um, and uh, then as we move on, we're, we're going to be looking at what I do. When we would go to door and there was, there was particularly one simple message that was given that people would actually grasp onto and inevitably people would get healed. And, and that was the other, I think, great discovery I made, which was healing is much more than just some kind of magic trick or some power or some feeling. There's a very real connection to a, the, the Word of God. Healing and the Word of God are, are, are intertwined. And if you can simply get people to understand a basic, simple principle, uh, my discovery being overseas, then healing was very easy. Uh, and then before we close, I'm going to look at the differences. The differences that I feel coming back and the observations I make when I pray for people here versus praying people for people overseas, whether it is in Sri Lanka or when I was in Malaysia, I prayed for a bunch of different people that got healed pretty dramatically. Uh, or in Brazil or in Mexico where I, I've seen people get uh, who were crippled and they got healed. Then coming back here, and, and there are some reasons why uh, that is, at least to my own personal observation, uh, and I, I want to touch on those before we close. But first, let's look at the discovery. I, I want to give the main text that I have out this morning. Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 20 Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Who can read that for me? Sammy, Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Who else can get for me? Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and verse 30. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Really lift up your hand back there. Robert, you can get that. I think, uh, who else has their hand up? Miguel, you can actually get 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. And then I'll give out some other scriptures in a little while that will help reaffirm that. Uh, one text. Mark chapter 16. The reason I'm using this as the main text is because what I discovered overseas is that the gospel and healing go hand in hand. It is not the gospel and then like this special group of people have healing. It's not like it's the gospel and then just some really charismatic figures have healing. Overseas, the gospel and healing are intertwined. And Mark chapter 6 verse 20 confirms that and it uses the word confirm within its text and I, and I kind of want to unpack that a little bit this morning. Mark chapter 16 verses uh, uh, 20. Go ahead and read that. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and, confirm, and confirming the word with, the, with signs following. Amen. And confirming the word through accompanying signs or with signs that followed. There's a whole other thing that I didn't put within this Sunday school that I just kind of want to mention briefly, and that is if you go through the book of Acts and you look for this, it's, it's, it's a phrase, but in the original language, it's, it's really just one word. It's signs and wonders. You will discover 
that it is a very important premise in the book, or it's a very important principle. It's almost like when it says with signs and wonders, it is meant to give and convey. That's how we know God was there. That's how we know God was at work. Now notice it's not just signs by itself. The signs do something. They confirm the word. The gospel and healing go hand in hand. If you have just healing and no gospel, you got a real problem. And, and I'm going to get into that in a little while, that uh, I discovered that people will get healed and they're not Christians. For a little while, this threw me for a loop. I didn't understand that. I'm telling just from personal experience, I pray for a Hindu person. They didn't convert. I didn't pray with them a sinner's prayer. I prayed a prayer of healing and they got healed. And I began to really think about this. And, and there's, there's some... some some scriptural background there that we can actually look at. But what I discovered was that's why in our texts and in the New Testament church, the idea was you're not just a healing prophet. The word is confirmed by healing. There is this active power of God that is released that is not meant to wow people. It's not meant to make us look better. It's meant to do one single thing. It's to affirm the gospel so that they actually get saved and repent. So what happened was, while we were living overseas uh, the first time, while we were living in Sri Lanka the first time, uh, most of you know persecution at that time when we got there was actually very high. 2008 was one of the worst years for persecution on the island by Amnesty International and different groups that actually go into and look and ask and see. Uh, I remember after we landed on the island, it was about four months later, there was a Methodist missionary that got killed. He was martyred there in the northern area of, of Colombo, a little further up, maybe about 100 kilometers, 50 miles. And so in that atmosphere, you have a lot of tensions. Going door to door was absolutely a no-no. If you talk to anybody, they'd say, yeah, that's crazy. You shouldn't do it. But what happened was, as we're outreaching, as we're, we're, we are on the street, we are talking to people, we're tactfully trying to figure out how to reach and connect with people and, and share the gospel with them without creating a riot. And that wasn't always easy. And one day what happened was there was this family called, um, uh, there was a family that come to the church, Yolan and Guyan. And, and this family actually had a, 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 another relative that was sick and they wanted us to go pray for them, and this was just going to be one of those things where it's like, look, Pastor, can you come with us to pray for this relative that we have? And so we go to the house, and, and this, is, this is how, like, the whole kind of thing flipped for us while we were there, to realize that there's something behind this more than just some kind of hocus-pocus and power encounter that kind of moves people. There's something genuinely here. And we go to this house. They're not there. And so Sri Lanka is not like here, cell phones, especially at that time, there was no iPhone. I, I think it just came out here in America. And so at that time, there's no smartphones, cell phones aren't even that popular, home phones are there. So, you know, you show up to someone's house, you hope they're there. Before the days of cell phones, you hoped, if you called and they didn't answer, you just thought, well, maybe they're not home or maybe they're in the back. We just hope we're there. they're there. So we go to their house and we're hoping they're there. They're not there. So we knock on the door, kind of standing around, and I'm thinking, man, you know, we just came over here, nothing's, they're not here. And as we're getting ready to leave, we kind of write a note and say we came to pray. As we're getting ready to leave, that person is walking up. They're walking up from, from the bus stand. And as they're walking up, they're, they're, they say, oh, look, that's, that's, that's the person we came for. That's the person that, that wants prayer. And as we go to them, 
there were, now we're not inside the house. We're outside on the street. And I remember very vividly, this person came up and they had, they had a makeshift cast on their hand. And they had been having a problem with their hand mobility to move it, to close it, to open it. And if you just touched it, it was incredibly painful. What it was, nobody knows. Doctors aren't really, again, the medicine and, and the, the hospitalization there isn't that great. Nobody really knew what it was. Did she break it? Did she hurt it? No one knows. But the pain was, in, was undeniable. The, the immobility was undeniable. She needed a miracle. She, need, she wanted to be healed. She didn't really know what it was. All they had put was this. It's mega, I can just describe them like popsicle sticks with wrapping. Just a makeshift cast that she had on. And I remember while we're in the middle of the street, I get really inspired to, to just pray for her and say, you know what, God wants to heal you. And I share this very simple message with her. And I begin to explain to her these, these simple principles of healing. And I say, well, look, this is not magic. It's not anything I have inherently in me. This is really done because of Jesus. And, and I pray with her. And the healing that happened that day was so dramatic that we're in the middle of this, this, this road in Sri Lanka, this, this small alleyway area, there's houses all around us. She begins to cry, and, and her family begins to make so much, so people start to come out. And as people start to come out, you know, again, the tensions that are there, you're, you're wondering what's happening. But I noticed the incredible favor that was given once people understood they're praying for healing. And she got healed. You could literally feel the atmosphere change. You could feel this tension totally die down, and now it seemed that there was this welcoming. There was this willingness to listen. And from that point on, I, I really felt my spirit, the right thing to do was to use this public relations gift God gave us as healing. Where now, as we went to places, especially new places, the first thing we did was we started to pray for the sick. And we would always have favor with the people. And the New Testament church... Uh, actually also deals with this in the middle of persecution they're arrested and beaten and I want to look at the prayer that they pray because I believe this also gives us some insight here in Acts chapter 4 verse 29 and 30 Acts 4 verse 29 and 30 go ahead and read that now now Lord look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They recognize, well, number one, we need boldness. But number two, one of the greatest gifts you ever gave us was signs and wonders, healing that confirms it's not just us. And I believe in that confirmation, people end up stepping back, and it gives us incredible favor. It gives us the ability to be able to work with people and deal with people and begin to help people in a way that without praying for the sick, it doesn't work. That if you just try to share a message, and this is where a lot of churches found themselves at. They weren't praying for the sick. They weren't going into this area of the supernatural. They were simply trying to educate, intellectually inform, and it didn't do anything. And the tensions got worse. The persecution rose. Healing, the great discovery I made overseas, has to go with the gospel. It's not a special thing. It's not like here's the gospel and then here's the superpower. They are both intertwined. And if you disassociate them, if you separate them, you run into a big problem. Because now all you're saying is this is my opinion, 
this is what I think, this is what my culture believes, but a miracle translates in every culture. A miracle translates in every culture. You don't need an interpreter for a miracle. They automatically grasp it. Amen. Okay, so if you have questions, please bring those up. And if there's things that you're thinking about, that you're curious about, and if you want me to clarify anything I'm explaining, please ask this morning. Because my whole goal is to kind of bring a little insight, especially into this realm of, of healing, and why sometimes we see so many dramatic healings overseas versus here. And we're going to tackle that in a little while. So what happened was I had an education in people's homes. As we began to go from different homes, I began to see very interesting things. And the big one for me was some people would get healed and they're not Christian. And I think the one time that Jesus begins to clarify this is with the Syrophoenician. It's a woman who is not a Jew. She is, a, she is an idolater. And this is the reason why he's dealing with her the way he does. But her appeal by faith genuinely touches Jesus so that she gets a miracle. Now, the truth is, I saw Buddhists healed, I saw Hindus healed, I even saw Muslims healed, dramatically. They didn't convert, but they got healed. This would throw me for a loop. And that's why, as we were overseas, and if you were there with us on the invasion team, and you, you had us pray, and you were with me door to door, some of you, you experienced that. We went door to door, we prayed for the sick. And uh, I, I think it was Brian, considered last week, was mentioning something about that. It's one of the most amazing things to see. Because, I mean, these are dramatic healings. The presence of God is so palpable, and you're in someone's home. And it's, it's a bit shocking. It sets you back because you're like, man, God's really touching this person. It's really, that's powerful. But I discovered you have to bring the gospel with it. You have to drill down and say, that's great, you got healed. I'm, that's, that's wonderful. But the one who did it was Jesus. And if you don't follow him, it's going to get worse for you. And this is where I, I, I truly believe that the healing gets a little, uh, how do you say, out of balance. Because we begin to chase this thing called healing and we forget, wait a minute, there's a savior named Jesus that if you're healed and you still go to hell, what does it matter? You need your heart to be transformed. Another discovery I made was that desperation really does help. Desperation really does help. When I would go pray for people, and the, because the medical care system isn't so good, they were very, very desperate. You'd walk into someone's home, and, uh, and, and some of you had experienced this if you were on the team with us, that, and, and you'd see someone emaciated, dying, and you knew they were dying. They weren't sick. They were dying. And they have no one caring for them. There is no home health there. Uh, they're living in squalor and in filth and the stench of death is there and it creates an atmosphere of desperation that is very rarely felt here. And that desperation is, is, is very good to tap into. Uh, and we use the story of the woman with the issue of blood. That's the same kind of desperation. We use the story of the men who break open the roof to bring that. That's the same. Why did they do that? Because there was no other option. There was no doctor to wait on. There was no treatment to hold off for. There was no list. To, that was it. There's nothing else. That form of desperation you felt, it was like it you could cut it with a knife. There would be people there, and you would simply offer a small hope. 
uh, you, we didn't, uh, you don't have to articulate a lot. In my personal uh, experience, it wasn't this long, drawn-out thing, and I didn't have this overwhelming feeling. It was this desperation you could sense. You bring the, 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 this very simple message, and they would begin to grasp on to certain ideas, and you could sense God is working here. And they had faith to be healed, as the Apostle Paul saw in Iconium. And he would pray for them, and you would pray for them, and you would genuinely sense this release. And I, I really do link that to desperation. It's a very different atmosphere than what we're in today. Now, I do think desperation can be had here in America. Um, the difference is, in a lot of ways, is that we come to the end of ourselves, and we genuinely just stop trusting what everyone else says. And you hear people testify of that. You hear someone say, so I decided to not listen to whatever it is, whoever it is, whatever diagnosis, and I just simply am going to latch onto this. And that desperation creates this incredible atmosphere. It creates this incredible, um, I know that the way I can describe it is like an open door. You feel it. There's not a whole lot of need for this kind of working up prayer and trying to, uh, nothing like that. As a matter of fact, uh, in the process of going to pray for people, because to be honest with you, I didn't pray for people often here in America. I did, and one of the miracles we saw in the church we pioneered here brought in about three families where this man got healed from his back and he had got hurt at work, and, and, and we prayed for him. So it's not that I never did it, but I wasn't comfortable doing it. I, I just wasn't comfortable praying for the sick. It was just one of those things. You got Because, you know, the truth is, I couldn't explain it all. Pastor, how come it feels hot when you touch me? I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe it's the fire of the Holy Spirit. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I haven't come to, the, to some genuine, real, like, this is what it is. Because biblically, there are just some principles laid out for us that are good enough to get healed. It's kind of like a car. I don't understand the combustible engine totally. But if I get my key and I put it in the ignition and I turn it on, it works. It's like the same thing with healing. And I would be very uncomfortable with not being able to describe and explain, right? Like, I, it's this and it's this and that. It, one of the more interesting healings uh, uh, moments that I had out there, one of the more inter interesting experiences I had was when I got a word of knowledge for a lady. We were going ho house to house. We were at this house. This lady was there, and God immediately told me that she had a brain aneurysm. Never met this lady before, and she's not even a Christian. She's a Buddhist lady. And he tells me she has a brain aneurysm. It's as clear as day. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I am not one of those people that, you know, God said right now. Just not, just not me. But I couldn't shake it. So we're, we're praying for different people. And she's not saying anything. It was about, it was about five people there. She's not saying anything. And, and, and I just can't shake it. And I finally look and I say, you know, God, God, you know. It feels awkward telling someone, God just spoke to me. Like, how? I don't know how. It's in my spirit. He said it clearly. You have a brain aneurysm, and he's going to heal you. And she, I, she, I pray for her, and she had pain on the left side of her. I had no idea. She didn't say anything. She had left pain on the left side of her head. And afterwards, she explains that she had a bleeding aneurysm. And the doctors had told her she only had so many weeks and then it was going to get worse and worse and worse she went to the doctor the next day she was totally healed totally healed but i truly believe it had more to do with her desperation than any kind of 
special gifting that I had. Another thing that I learned while we were overseas and praying for people was healing is a spiritual exercise. And that's why we're not comfortable with it. When you deal with healing, isn't it interesting we hate to deal with the issue of sin? Here in America, I see it over and over. It doesn't matter what church I'm in. Someone will come up and they'll be like, well, you know what? I, I have this pain or I have arthritis. Look, I know, I know it's linked with bitterness. I know, but I'm not an angry person. We can't stand that. We don't like this invisible realm that maybe, maybe bitterness is working its way out in a different way. Maybe it's an issue of resentment. Yeah, look, I don't like dealing with that. Because healing is spiritual and the demonic is also involved, there's another layer there on why we don't like to deal with it. To even say it may be a demon spirit, most Christians get so uncomfortable with that. See, I feel it right now. People just, the spiritual world and the spiritual realm in our culture is never spoken of never described, and if it is, it's by crazy people who see angels and all kinds of other stuff. But spirituality is very much linked with your physical health and your physical life. I was having terrible headaches there in Sri Lanka, and, uh, uh, and it was at the beginning. And you know what I discovered? Stress creates incredible headaches. But you know how hard it was for me to recognize this physical ailment is connected with an emotional problem that is deeply rooted in the spiritual person that I am. You know why I had a lot of stress? It wasn't just the culture shock. It was my identity shock. Oh, yeah, I could trust God to help me here. But could I trust him to help me there? But you know how hard it is to, to actually say that? You know how hard it is to admit that? Just don't tell anybody I said that, please. <laughs> but we run, in, we run into this issue. Healing is spiritual. Healing becomes, uh, Miguel has a question in the back there. Uh, but healing is spiritual. And when you begin to walk into this realm, this is where as Westerners we get uncomfortable. We've got a mic over here. You know, we, you talk about the third world country. And I, I don't really just contend, let's say you said we as Christians. I don't really think it's we as a Christian. It's more we a Western mentality. And we're so open to updated medicine and so many procedures and we have so many things at our fingertips that third world countries don't have so when you talk about these stories it sounds like because and again dealing with buddhists and muslims their idea of spirituality is they do have demons they do have these things that we know are out there as christians but they are more so real to it but they don't have this mentality of the western world of oh well there's modern medicine we can fix it with modern medicine for them it's there is a demon and if you're praying that there's a demon, they're going to believe that's yeah, what's going absolutely. to happen. And we have you're this exactly right. disconnect from the spiritual world um, because it's Western mentality, because we have modern medicine. And a lot of times when we try to pray for people today, they still say, well, my doctor says it's not going to happen. My doctor's told me, or, or you know what, yeah, I may, I may, it may feel a little bit better, but I still got to go, you know, reliance on the doctor, or, or that's not what someone else said. And that's, that's what we come across here on even, you know, locally. We're going to pray for somebody and we believe wholeheartedly and we, we you know, go through these things, uh, the steps that we know we should do as we pray for someone, but they defer back to, well, this is what the doctor said. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and I, I don't want to say it as Christians don't, because the truth is, in our church, we do believe this stuff. In, in our church, we are explained and we try to enter into the spiritual kind of dialogue and understanding the body, soul, and spirit. We are a church that really does believe that. However, our culture is secular, and, and, and that's a Western secular culture is the thing that we're all in, and your environment will affect you. Amen. Your environment will affect you. And when you're around people and you're hearing things and there's a constant connection with the emotional, that means the soulish realm, not so much the spiritual, we, we, we love or we walk in the realm of psychology over spirituality because of this. And, and that's for modern pastors and churches today, which then influences us. Even though we know better, just being around it long enough, it starts to kind of stick in your head. You hear things, you hear testimony, you hear different things. And so I agree wholeheartedly. It's not so much that it's just Christians who don't want to believe. It really is the Western secular culture that we are now very much steeped in. One last thing that I want to mention here. Uh, if you have a question or you have a comment, please lift up your hand very high so I can see you. I, I can't usually see from up here. Uh, just lift your hand very high just to make sure I see you. So he, uh, feelings don't matter at all. You know, I think because of, of you know, at certain times of, of, of revivals and seeing some dramatic healings and, and, and people who, who portray when he is very he has incredible feelings involved and, you know, powerful man of God, he's at the top of his lungs, casting out the demon. And what I discovered is that it's really on the basis of God's word any of this happens. Not on my feelings, not on my emotional makeup, not on my passion. It's really on the basis of God's word. So that if I just simply prayed for someone, and this is what I began to do with a lot of the demon possession issues or the demonization issues over there. So I didn't start yelling. I, didn't, I actually just told it, be quiet, because they love attention. Demons love attention. And, and, and began to deal with it in a very, very straightforward, more of a methodical manner than it was any kind of passion. And because it's not on any of, it's on the basis of God's word that we can do any of this. That means feelings, they're minimal. You may have them, you may not. To, to, to you know, when, when uh, Miguel was speaking a little, while, a little bit ago, but I was thinking about something, and it's something interesting that I've noticed. People, when it comes to the era of healing, are usually so skeptical of it that even when they get healed, you have a hard time of getting them to affirm it. I, I can tell you countless, being here in America, praying for different people, and they come up and I have pain. Okay, where's the pain? It's in my knee, in my elbow, in my shoulder, wherever it is. Okay, so let's pray. We pray, is the pain gone? I don't know. Well, wait a minute. You came up with pain, but now you don't know? Why don't you just say it's gone? because of this secular Western frame of thought that is like, is this real? Does this really happen? There is, you know, and it's happened more often uh, than, than I would like to admit that people, you can genuinely sense God touched them. You can genuinely know, you know the pain is gone. It's just hard for their mind to wrap around the fact that God touched them right then and there, especially if there was no feeling. Because a lot of times people get healed and there isn't this dramatic, they just get healed. They just get healed. The pain's gone. It leaves. How does it leave, Pastor? I have no idea. 
I didn't take it. I didn't chase it away. It, Jesus got it out of there. It's that simple. So let's look at the simple message that I would share. The, the simple message was this. Adam and Eve were without sin and sickness. I would do this over and over, over and over. When I pray for people, this is, I'm going to do what I would do. As a, like, it was like a small sermonette, a class. If I went to someone's house, if there was someone who needed to be healed, it, this is what I did over and over. And over and over, it, it, it worked without fail. So I just kept doing it. There's no reason to redo something that's not broke. So I just did it. And uh, this, so for my personal observation, being overseas, this, is, this simple message got people healed consistently. And because it's the basis of God's word and because it's God's revealed word that the, the signs are confirming, uh, I just kept going with it. I didn't, the prayers, I'll be honest, I didn't think a whole lot on what I was gonna pray for someone. It was a pretty simple thing. This to me, if I could get them to understand this very simple concept right here that I'm about to explain, then uh, healing was the easy part because God's word went forth, prepared it, at, and it confirmed it. And so Adam and Eve were without sin and sickness in the garden. The second principle I lay out is they disobeyed God and came under the curse and allowed sin and sickness to destroy everything that is here. You want to know why this world is terrible? It's not because God made it that way. It's because Adam and Eve listened to the serpent and destroyed it. That's the reason we have what we have. Sickness is not here because God is testing the saints. Sickness is here because Adam and Eve disobeyed. Jesus came to take back what was destroyed. He paid the price for our sin. And here's the, the very important second part. And carried our diseases. That is the gospel. That is very much linked with the death of the cross, with the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. It is not just about your forgiveness. It is also about your healing. This cannot be disassociated. This cannot be disconnected, though it is. It cannot be in order for people to genuinely have a simple faith to get healed. Today, we can experience it if we're willing to repent and believe. That's the very last one. Today, if we are willing to repent and believe, we can experience forgiveness and healing. I had this epiphany when I would teach this. And uh, I, I began to then deal with people on another level, which was if you have faith to be forgiven, you have enough faith for healing. Because it's in the cross. The truth is, in my opinion, it's harder to believe that all your sins have been washed away than it is to believe that you can be healed today. It's a real miracle that every action you committed, every sin that stained your soul, is washed away the moment you come to Jesus. When you ask him to forgive you, it's literally wiped away. That's harder to believe than Jesus can heal your body. Your body's a finite thing, your sins are not. Let me read to you um, Teal Osborne quote uh, uh, as we look at, um, let me read to you this quote very quickly and then we'll read uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Teal Osborne says these words, you comprehend the truth of the statement, himself took our infirmities, weaknesses, and bore our sicknesses and diseases. You know that Jesus, your substitute, has delivered your body from sickness as well as your spirit from sin. You see your sickness as well as your sins laid on Jesus at Calvary. 
and you know that if Jesus bore your infirmities and your sicknesses, you need no longer to bear them. If you need to bear them, then it was useless for Jesus to bear them. But since he has borne them, and the Bible says they were yours, then certainly you do not have to bear them or keep them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Uh, go ahead and read that. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. By whose stripes you were healed. Now, when it says, bore our sins... We can add sickness there because of some other texts in Scripture that help clarify, add to, and also verify this one principle here, that Jesus was a substitute for us, not just in sin, but also in sickness. Matthew chapter 8, if we can get a... Uh, did I give that out? Matthew 8, 16 and 17, did I give that out to anybody? Now, who can get that for us very quickly? Matthew 8, 16, 17, right up here, go ahead, Mike. And then who can get for me Isaiah chapter 53? Through fifth, uh, four through six, Isaiah 53, four through six. Someone lift their hands very quickly if I can see you. <laughs> Isaiah 53. Okay, Kim. Isaiah 53, uh, four through six. Matthew 8, 16 through 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick. That it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying... He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. First Peter clarifies on the cross, he went and took our sins and by his stripes we were healed. People like to use these words infirmities as weakness, meaning our struggle, our problem, our physical weakness, meaning that we're not able to do it, our spiritual weakness, we're not strong enough for this. This verse undeniably connects it with healing. It literally says in verse 16 that he went around and he healed all who were sick in the evening and they brought to him many who were demon possessed and cast out spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. And then it goes on to say that it might be fulfilled. So that way you don't mistake the prophecy. That way we don't misunderstand infirmity isn't just physical or spiritual weakness. It is sickness. That he literally carried our sicknesses. So, I mean, if you want to look at this in, in, a, in, a, in a spiritual way, when Jesus literally goes and prays for people, he's able to lift sickness off of them because he is the burden bearer. He has a legal right to take sickness from you because he is the legal burden bearer of our sins and our diseases. It is this one singular principle that I discovered over and over uh, while we were living overseas. If I could get people to believe this, something would tangibly happen. There would be something inevitably, and when I prayed for them to get healed, there was no struggle. There was no, because there was this affirmation. I am not asking for the pastor's power. I am not asking for the Christian power. I am asking for the burden bearer to take the burden he promised he'd carry. Not just my sins, but my sicknesses as well. Then the, the, the next verse, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 6. Go ahead and read that. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
this is the original prophecy that Peter is adapting in, in 1 Peter 2.24 and that Matthew is verifying in Matthew chapter 8. And they deal with sickness and disease, not just sin and spiritual infirmity or spiritual weakness. It was trying to be made very clear to us. Now, and I'm just giving you two texts here for the sake of time this morning, but you can look and discover for yourself biblically over and over and over when Jesus was healing people, it was a confirmation. He is the Messiah and God's word has come to restore what was taken from us originally in the garden and that is health. God's word came so that it would break the power of sin and of sickness. That means any single one of us can pray for the sick because it's not an inherent power of a pastor. It's in the inherent power of the burden bearer, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins and sicknesses of all the world. Any questions here? Question right up here. Raquel, anyone else? You have a question, you have a comment? Oh, right back there. Mike Valverde also, right in the back. Go ahead, Raquel. Okay, because you were saying in... Um Eastern culture, there's more like spiritual awareness. People talk about things spiritually. So when it comes to things that aren't physical illnesses, like mental illnesses, like anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, mm -hmm. did you notice that that was something people were willing to get prayed for? Absolutely. And how did you have that conversation? Was it, do you find it was easier to have that conversation Absolutely. there than here? Yeah, and so you bring up a good question that I, I, was, I, I do have in the notes that I did want to talk about, which is it's much easier to deal with it there. Because this invisible world, they're not so afraid of. They don't understand it, but that's okay. Being part of the Western secular culture means something very specifically. At least one tenet of it is it's a humanistic, secular, analytical view. It's a rationalistic view. Rationalism means everything has to be explained and well understood everything every, whether it's lightning bolts whether it's tornadoes whether it's mental disease and if you walk into a realm that you don't understand you're supposed to treat it with suspicion you're supposed to look at it and say oh you know what if they if you can't understand it then you know what don't even think about it but there the invisible realm and things that they don't understand does don't don't cause that kind of uh, tension, that turmoil, and that fear, because that's not the way they view the world. So when you start to talk about mental issues, and you mention, let's say, it's a demonic issue because of something that's happened in their life. So for example, uh, I could tell you of someone who had a lot of anxiety issues because they were uh, uh, hurt as they grew up. There was a lot of things that happened in their life, and this created this incredible spiritual angst uh, that was also exploited by demonic power. So now you have this, this if you want to look at it in a rationalistic way. Now, I have to admit to you, I'm explaining this, but I also realize I come from this culture. I am also a rationalist. I also have this bent to try to understand. So if we were to put it into an equation, which most of us would, would understand, you have on one side of the equation the problem. And it has a spiritual root, an emotional connection, and a physical, physical outgrowth. And on the other side of the connection, you have the answer. On the other side of the equation, you have the answer. To get to the answer, though, 
you have to then highlight or explain what this part of the equation is. Just to try to explain it, it gets so uncomfortable here. Just to even say your anxiety is rooted in the demonic, it's already like, I don't like that church. I don't know what that pastor's talking about. You know, he's not right. And, and <laughs> you have so many hindrances just to say, look, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you deserve this. All I'm saying is there is this realm here we don't understand, but the Bible gives some insight to, like a key going into the ignition, just enough for us to deal with it. And if you simply will agree with me to understand these principles, then we can see deliverance. And I have seen, especially here, people who've been indoctrinated against miracles and tongues are the hardest people to ever try to deal with. Because you're dealing more with a spirit and just saying that in itself gets them uncomfortable. There is a spirit that is moving against, and I believe it's unbelief, that's moving against the very word of God. Because I, 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 you go through scripture, there's nowhere you'll find that healing and demonization aren't real. It's all over it. But today, we take it out because of a lot of our rational thinking. So yes, there it's a lot easier than here. And there people get delivered a lot easier than here. Sometimes more dramatically, but it's a lot easier. Mike, did I answer your question, Michael? Yeah. Just a few thoughts. Uh, when we lived down in the islands um, in the South Pacific, we dealt a lot with Hindus. And they're a very, uh, very unique set of, of people because um, they don't mind believing in Jesus at yeah, all. That's right. You just throw them in the mix, you know, like with um, all the other other Hindu gods. And so when when you offer to pray for them, they'll gladly take the prayer. The the challenges in what you touched on earlier was to get them to to surrender completely to Jesus Christ, and that that's your sole source of salvation, and that's the answer to all of your ills in, in life, not only your sicknesses but your poverty and all the other bondages that you have. <clears throat> so that, that was one of the biggest challenges. And um, the, the population in the, on that island was half natives and half Indians. And the majority of the Indians were Hindu. Yeah. So that was a huge challenge. That's true where the natives were Christian. And they didn't have any problem believing in Christian-like things, even though they were very religious. Yeah. Um, that was a, a, a separate set of challenges, but that was one of the bigger ones. They um, dealing with the Hindus was they they didn't mind coming out to a healing crusade. They didn't mind um, being prayed for, but then that's the next obstacle. They could get saved. I mean, they could get healed, but they didn't necessarily get saved. Yeah, that's exactly so that's a big challenge. Um, so just agreeing with with what you were saying. The other thought I had was, um, and and this is one of the things that we um, that we experienced was that being a Westerner and especially being an American is the biggest advantage you have when you go overseas because everyone will listen to you. Yeah. They want to know what this, to them, I was a white guy. So they <laughs> want to know what this white guy had to say. Yeah. And, um, and I took total advantage of that. And um, um, we, we prayed with so many folks. We went to so many um, settlements, you know, like the slums to pray for people and it was amazing it got healed and and it wasn't because i was a, a white guy from the u.s but because they were so open 
And so what I want to encourage folks is that um, take those opportunities when they do come along. Amen. Because the, we're, we're placed in a very peculiar position as, as Americans and as the largest missionary sending nation that ever existed. And, um, and we need to use that to our advantage. We, we were, I would always get calls for whatever reason and, and we would go and, and pray for, for folks in their homes. And a lot of them, again, were Hindus. And we saw so many miracles and it was amazing, but we also saw the demonic like never before. Yeah. And it was, it was scary until you realize that my God's bigger than your, um, yeah, your eight-armed demon that you <laughs> have right. sitting right. there in your home. Amen. And uh, so that blew us away. Um, but, but God's powerful. And, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing what the third world is. It's so open. Yes. It's so open, especially to healing. That's nothing to them because yes. they believe in that already. So, so let me add here, too. A lot of these people we're talking about now live in America. They live off a medical center. There are people here now that are open to this. And you have the ability. And that's one thing I do want to reiterate this morning. This is, this is one of the greatest truths, and that is, if this is the burden bearer did it, if Jesus did it, if it's been put on him on the cross, then all we have to do is go share this message and be that vessel that says, okay, I'll pray for you. I don't need to be a high flyer. I don't want to be this very charismatic and, you know, all I have to do is tell you this very simple message and then do my job as a Christian to just say, okay, I'm going to pray for you now. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be. All you have to do is recognize the word is doing the work and it's just going to be confirmed with this sign. That, that's the way this works. I got hands going up here. Doris up here, right over here, Chris. Chris, wow, I see you. You do that to me every time. I look, I say, handsome white guy up here in the front. Who is that? It's Chris, Chris, Chris Fugno over here. And uh, we'll get ready to close off. Go ahead, Doris. So just two things. I, um, one is my, my Nana, who's passed away now, my mom's mom. And I remember when she was going through dementia, and I'm on the phone, and she's oh, back 2,000 miles away. And I'm like, God, you know, heavy Catholic, the whole thing. I'm like, God, I've been praying for years. I don't want, you know, her to die and you know, go to hell and all that. And so I'm talking to her on the old-fashioned phone, you know. <laughs> and I'm in my apartment, and she's just, you know, ah, you know, and, la, la, and I just look at, look at the phone, and I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I pleaded the blood of Jesus and stuff. And, I, and all of a sudden, boom, she's in her right mind. And so I took that short opportunity, Amen. you know, window, and I'm like, Nana, I said, you know, Jesus, I just, simple gospel, not you're Catholic, you're going to hell, and I said, simple gospel, I said, you know, it's not about the Pope, it's not about Mary, I said, Danny, Jesus loves you, he died for you, do you want to accept him? And she prayed with me, you know, and I mean, truly said the sinner's prayer with me in a right mind, and then as soon as we're done, yeah, yeah, she was right back to her own wow. self again. And it was a short time, you know, after that, and then, you know, better months, and she, she passed away. And I was like, how an opportunity, you know, when we try to come up with all these antidotes and all these things, if we just use a simple gospel, yes. you know. And I, I found over these years that people that I've talked to that have mental illness issues, a lot of them, you know, the, the devil loves all the attention. So he loves to, to use these people as little puppets and everything. And then the people that you try to talk to, it's like they don't want to get healed because they'll lose their, their, their Medicaid and their, their disability and all this stuff, and they want that. And I'm like, I know, I, 
I go, I have handicapped parking. I go parking places and stuff like that. And you know, sometimes people will look at you and then they see, you know, I have an arm or, you know, and I'm walking. And I look at them and I'm thinking, dude, you could, I would trade places in a heartbeat. Yes. You can have my spot all you want. Yes. I would rather be made whole, Amen. you know. And then, you know, for me, you know, those, I, I got bad news. So, you know, you know my, nothing I can do. The only one I can rely on right now to heal Amen. me is Jesus, you know, or I'm going to go, Amen. you know. So it's yeah, really, like you said, I have to become real desperate. Amen. 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 That, that's the truth. That's the truth right there. There's a spiritual root to it. And in that desperation, I believe God answers. Go ahead, Chris. Man, um, when I first came in, you were talking about uh, conversions, what we need. I remember when I first got to Vietnam and really contending for a supernatural move of God because uh, the Koreans, man, are giving us a run for our money for missionary sending. And, uh, and they're all kind of weird. That's true. Yeah. That's an unspoken uh, truth in the world today. The Koreans are giving, that's true. Yeah. There are a lot of, I mean, there are Christians, but they also have a lot of other weird religious stuff that they're sending out yeah, of there. That's right. And they outreach the same place as I outreach. And they, they um, use these weird scriptures. They believe that God is a woman, all kind of dumb stuff. <laughs> and so anyways, so um, one of the things I contend for is a supernatural because I have to show them, look, you know, they asked me, what's the difference between your, you, they told me this, you know, what are you telling me this? They have a Bible too. And I was like, well, my God has power. Their God doesn't. And so, um, but we did see, uh, one of the most powerful healings I saw in the whole time was in Vietnam. We had a lady, uh, a girl, she's a backslider, got saved or came back to a service the next day. She broke her back. She was in the hospital for three days. They said, she's going to need major surgery. Her family's desperate. They don't know what, what's going to happen. And, uh, I find out about this. She'd already been laying in the hospital bed for three days. And so we have an abbreviated service that night. And I preach on Lazarus. We're starting our very first revival the next day with Joe Sanchez. Wow. And, uh, and so I was like, great, this is going to ruin everything, you know. <laughs> so, so I preached for like 15 minutes that night, which is a record. And then um, I told him, I said, we're going to go after. I preached on Lazarus. He was in dead for three days, raised from the dead. So the whole, I took the whole church to the hospital after man. service. We all went into the room and prayed for her. Awesome. And she left the next day. She walked out, got out of the hey, hospital bed, walked out of there. Hey, it was a, a miracle. But, but she's, a, she's backslid yeah. and she didn't serve God. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't wait to get her in church to testify about what God did. And her mother was there. I, you know, her father, this girl's father passed away. I went to her funeral yeah. or went to his funeral uh, after she started coming to our church. And the mother was there. She said, if my daughter gets healed, I'll serve God the rest of my life. And I said, you don't forget you said that. Yes, and so, yeah. and then there they are. And, and, you know, the truth is, is that this girl could believe for healing but she's captured by this, you know, besetting sin that she can't get free from. And then, you know, the thing that I think gets us as Christians is I had a a young man at church one Wednesday night, he came, he'd been saved maybe three or four months, doing really well. And uh, these ladies who are uh, outreach superstars brought brought him in with a group of people that they had prayed with. And um, so I pray with him Wednesday after church. He says, my knee hurts, you know. So I, you know, I, okay, I pray for his knee pain. You know, what happened? Did you have an injury? He's a young guy. I figured he hurt himself playing soccer or something. And it doesn't go away. And actually, it's not his knee. Below his knee, there's this hard thing sticking out below his knee that feels like a bone. It's in a place it shouldn't be. And so I asked him, I'm like, did you, how did you hurt yourself? So I just woke up in the morning and it was like that. And I was like, this is, I'm pressing on this thing. Does that hurt? He's like, yeah. I was like, man, this feels like a bone. Like, shouldn't have a bone like right there. 
And I was like, this is definitely supernatural. So I began to ask him, you know, have you been involved in, in any kind of witchcraft? Involved? So immediately before I could say anything, the people who brought him into church, they interrupt. And they're like, oh, pastor, no, we know he, we told him about that. He knows better, you know, and I was like, guys, be quiet. Like, I'm asking him, you know, and so everyone's so offended that I would question him about how he's living or like what he's done that could create this situation. I said, I don't, I'm not accusing you, but look, man, this is spiritually rooted. You know, like I'm trying to dig out, like, where's this root? Let's get rid of it so you can get healed. And so I see his face and I'm like, he's got something to tell me. And so then he tells me, yeah, he's been in his hometown and one of his friends like read his future or something like that. I said, it was your leg hurt when you woke up in the morning? He said, yes. I said, okay, so there we have, I said, you're gonna get healed right now. And so I went to put, as soon as I put my hand on him, we've just started praying. I just felt it disappear underneath Amen. my hand. Amen. And then I just stopped and I said, Throw, kick your leg, kick your leg. And he's like, oh, he's all excited. And he got healed. But um, people were so upset. It wasn't even him, but even other people in church. Yeah. They were offended by the idea that like you could have done something to create this problem. Yeah. But I'm like, man, if you don't, if you speak it, you're healed. You know, you can be delivered. But if you, if you can't, like God can't touch your heart. If he can't open that, get rid of your sin, then the healings. What was know, his background? Be uh, there. He's um, atheistic or is it more humanist? No, I think he was, uh, he's atheistic. Most Vietnamese people will tell you that they're Buddhist, but they're Buddhist like San Antonians or Catholics. You know, they, don't, <laughs> they don't go to church. They don't know anything about the Bible. And so he doesn't know anything about Buddhism, but uh, he would tell you that. But he's basically an atheist. Some of you are trying to figure out whether you should be offended yeah. by that or not. Don't be offended. Sorry, he's telling the truth. He's, 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 he's telling the truth. Um, that, so that's what I was going to say. Atheism and humanism plays toward that. The person who cannot imagine my physical ailment has something to do with the... That's a very humanist strain of thought. It's a renaissance strain of thought is what it is. But I'm not going to get all into it. And so I totally agree and I'm glad to hear that testimony. God is a God who works in the supernatural. It's a realm that we can't fully understand and comprehend but it works. Some of you don't understand air conditioning. Don't keep you from turning your AC on at the house, right? There, there are certain principles here that allow you to trigger and get involved and, and, and God gets involved and he's able to do a miracle. And I have to close right here and I just want to mention a couple of things. One of the th- differences I've seen, and I'm going to close here with talking about the difference, is uh, people don't have an obsession to explain the spiritual overseas. They don't have this obsession to try to describe and understand and clearly define everything. It's pretty straightforward. This is the problem. This is the answer. And it, it, they go with it. Here, I've seen that we have a, a real difficulty unless we can explain every single situation, every single thing that's happening, every single prayer that I say, every single word that I say in the prayer. Why did I say this part of the prayer? People really key in on that stuff. And, and overseas, it's not so much, especially in certain atmospheres where there is, I would say, like Hinduism is a great atmosphere for healing. It's hard to make converse, but it's great for healing because they're, they're, a lot of times they'll believe almost any kind of situation and they're very tuned into to spiritual elements. There is a demonic connection to sickness that is easily dealt with. And this is what I was, I was mentioning when Raquel asked that question I had in my notes. But it's very hard to deal with here. It's very difficult to go down that road with someone and say, hey, you know what, uh, there's a, a, an element here of a spirit. People just get so uncomfortable with that. The third thing is that there is a desperation and willingness uh, to trust the invisible. And for a lot of people, if they see someone, that provides a certain sense of peace. But if you get comfortable with an invisible God and someone who's invisible there watching out for you and have this trust for the invisible, it's not so hard. 
Healing actually becomes a very simple next step to just simply take in and say, well, yeah, it's possible. It's, I can't imagine it not being true. And I want to just get ready to close here. Um, one of our, our best services we have in Sri Lanka when it comes to visitors is our healing service. We do one every month. I did one originally. Uh, I got inspired because we were seeing such an effectiveness in praying for the sick. I said every month we'll have a healing service. And what we do is in that service, we, we, it's a regular church service, but it's a sermon on healing and we pray for the sick. And uh, it was about four weeks ago, a man walked into that service there in Sri Lanka because uh, they're still doing it. And uh, he was a visitor, he's a Buddhist guy. He'd uh, never been to church in his life. He's about maybe 48 years old. Diagnosed with cancer, uh, a tumor in his stomach had been growing. He was dying. He had uh, maybe three months to live, 90 days. And that's, that's their doctor saying that, that who really knows because a lot of times they have no idea there. He walked in desperately sick. Uh, and in that healing service, they pray for him. The church prays for him. His family had come with him. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Pastor Paul Fernando. He was telling me he felt God touch him. But, uh, you know, it, it's hard to confirm right then and there. The tumor's on the inside. There's not. It was pain that was there, and it went away as they prayed. He goes to the doctor that next Tuesday, because it's on Sunday. He goes that next Tuesday. The tumor is completely gone. He is completely healed. First time in church. First time ever hearing about healing. First time ever hearing that Jesus is a living person that can take away not just your sins, but your sicknesses as well. And in that moment, that simple act of faith triggers the God of heaven to move here on earth for us. When we start talking about healing, we're talking about God, really. We're not, we're not talking about this special miracle power. We're not talking about magic. We're talking about Jesus, the burden bearer, the one who carried our sins to the cross and our sicknesses. Let's all stand. We're going to pray. And uh, we're going to pray for God to heal. So I'm going I'm to pray with you the prayer that I would normally pray. This prayer I found was very simple and it's keyed directly in what I was explaining. If you're sick in your body somewhere, uh, put your hand where you're sick. Uh, if it's, if it's uh, personal, then just put it on your stomach. And I want you to say this prayer with me right now as our heads are bowed. Father God, I believe when Jesus went to the cross, he took my sin and my sickness. That means right now I can give you my sickness and you will take it. Heal my body and I thank you for right now accepting me as I am. And I thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise and worship his name right now. Father, we thank you. And I ask God that you would heal those who have been struggling with sickness and disease. Cause there to be a manifestation of your power. Cause there to be a confirmation of your word as the burden bearer. Amen. God bless you. We're going to have service in a couple of minutes.